Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. This episode is brought to you by Brian Colmer of Draper & Kramer Mortgage. I'm your host, Allie Donlin. The Hingham Cast is hyper-local, looking at the world through the lens of one small town. My town, but the issues we explore are universal. Like our schools and who leads them. Mic check, mic check, one, two, three, one, two, three, mic check, one, two, three. Late last month, Superintendent of Schools Paul Austin resigned after two years on the job. He's returning to Maine for a position in special education. I invited him to come on the podcast and talk about his experience here in Hingham, but he declined. In an email, he said, There is no doubt that the COVID crisis made my wife and I reflect upon what is most important in our lives. Although the decision to leave was difficult, we are both looking forward to being back in Maine where we can best support our family and, perhaps even more importantly, watch our grandchildren grow. He didn't say whether recent posts on social media criticizing him for the status of his license contributed to his decision. The posts were intimating that Austin was not properly licensed. Now, according to the State Department of Education, that is not true. He had a temporary license that was set to expire at the end of the month. A state spokeswoman says extensions were granted to anyone involved in the licensure process because of COVID, and Austin was taking the proper steps for full licensure, but was in perfectly good standing. Okay, moving on. Today, I'm joined by Carrie Nee, chair of Hingham School Committee, June Gustafson, bringing in the voice of teachers. But I'll start with Tom Scott, executive director of the Massachusetts Association of School Superintendents. Hey, Tom. Hey, Ellie, how you doing? Good, good. So Hingham's plan is to get an interim superintendent in place as soon as possible, a process already underway, and then hire someone longer term. At this moment, there are 45 districts looking for superintendents just for this upcoming school year. We don't know the next year's numbers yet. I know you said 45 hits at about average, maybe even a bit below for vacancies, but why such high turnover? I think there's a combination of issues that are taking place. I mean, it's certainly a more complex job for a lot of different reasons. Accountability is one. You spend a great deal in education, and so I think accountability goes along with that. Uh, certainly high expectations uh, increase, particularly at a place like Hingham, very high expectations. So, mm-hmm. And social media has made it much more challenging. It's just easier for people to find one another when there's discord, discontent over different issues um, that tends to uh, bubble up. And uh, superintendents are in the midst of that all the time. So yeah. it's, not, it's not a terribly attractive job for many. So how would you describe the last year plus for superintendents in terms of quality of life, quality of profession? Miserable. I mean, you just, just, there's no better way of describing it. I mean, I, you know, every decision that they may, they make, um, you know, has a sort of 50, 50 proposition to it, right? 50% of the people feel that you're making the right decision. Another 50% think you're doing the wrong thing. Mm. And when we walked into this pandemic, um, you know, the, the, the commissioner and the governor pretty much said, you know, this is going to be based on local control. You mean there wasn't a lot of direction from the state? Yeah, exactly. Districts were on their own. Exactly. And what was the fallout from that? I know here in Hingham, we had some very contentious and I would say ugly committee meetings, school committee meetings, and there was a lot of disagreement over you know, how long our kids should be in school, if they should have been back sooner. The hybrid model was very contentious. Yeah. You know, parents began to, you know, look across neighbor lines and sort of, you know, hear what's going on in other communities and say, well, you know, something's happening in Hanover. Why are we doing what Hanover's doing? Well, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. a lot of factors weigh into 
uh, the decisions that were made. We weren't prepared to go to a virtual education. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, it was like you were starting from from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then every set of new information created new expectations or new pivoting to how to think about doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, superintendents can't just implement things without negotiating them mm-hmm. with their local uh, teachers union. And so you're going to have everybody critiquing every single classroom. Mm-hmm. Civility has gone out the window. I mean, mm-hmm. people take strident positions around things and superintendents are exposed to an awful lot um, of, of incivility. And so we struggle with that in terms of, of um, providing opportunities for people's voice to be heard mm. because it's really important. But too often, the way in which it plays itself out is difficult for superintendents to, to, to manage. How big a challenge is it going to be to fill these roles after what we've seen this last year plus? So there are two types of candidates, right? There are those candidates who are licensed to be superintendents. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a provision of law that allows for a retiree to come back to be employed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the school committee, uh, I think, is doing its due diligence. They're looking uh, to find out who's out there and uh, go through a process, uh, probably interview process, to try to figure out who would be the best person to uh, to fill that role for the coming year. You know, I know we had talked earlier and you were talking about um, kind of the way it used to be, the number of candidates you would get, the quality of candidates you'd, you would get. Can you bring me through that, the process, you know, what a district like Hingham may have attracted X years ago and, and, and what the situation is now? The pool of candidates, even the, under the best of circumstances, is, uh, is pretty, pretty limited. Um, so what's happening for many communities when there is a resignation of a superintendent late in the school year and you know this is this is pretty late paul made the decision or at least made the announcement um pretty late Mm -hmm. in the year and so there the pool of candidates as the year goes along becomes thinner and thinner you know pool of candidates uh right now probably could be somewhere in the average of average of 25. what would you say it was years ago oh i'd say it's probably 75 to 100. wow yeah there's a big difference and, and keep in mind that, you know, when I say 25, I'm not saying there's 25 who are sitting there as uh, experienced, prepared, and, and the right fit for those communities. So not necessarily 25 qualified candidates. Well, they're qualified in the sense that they may be licensed, but they not, may not have the same level of experience that Hingham may be looking for. They may not come with, you know, the sort of the background that Hingham may be looking for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can find somewhere in the vicinity of, of uh, five, six, seven promising candidates, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're doing well. So if this is playing out in dozens of communities in Massachusetts, how competitive is this process? Is this, is this going to be blood sport this year? You're going to be in some, some level of competition because you're all pretty much going to go up and through a process, getting community input, doing the, the, the search for candidates, uh, going through the interview process with the candidates, doing the vetting, mm. you know, that takes a while. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good six to eight week process at best. So it's, it's advisable to get out there uh, and make sure that process is in good shape uh, earlier than later. Forgive me if, for not knowing this, but are there any other South Shore superintendent positions open? Um, there's an interim going in in Braintree. There's an interim mm. going in in Canton. Mm. You've got an interim in Duxbury. 
All of them, I think, are very strong candidates for a permanent position. But also could be a strong candidate for a permanent position in Hingham. Well, I mean, if if they're pursued, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, uh, you know, I mean, there are a lot of other districts that are like Hingham in the sense of, you know, higher performing kind of school districts that, that, that may attract people. And yeah. what's going to happen is sometime beginning in September, October, uh, those superintendents who are electing to retire yeah. or are going to look elsewhere for positions, that's when the list begins to generate. I see. I see. So our interim will be coming in for this coming school year, but really our need is for the next school year, and we don't know what that number is. That's right. And you don't know what that competition is going to actually be. Do you have any expectation on what that number is? It's hard to say. I mean, some people sort of ask the question, you know, what's the burnout factor after this year? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just I just can't begin to describe what physically, emotionally has to, has been taken out of these people yeah. during the course of this year. It, it's really hard to know yeah. what the what, what what the ripple effect is going to be of what we've gone through. Let's take a quick break here to thank our sponsor. If you're in the market to buy a home right now, why not call a neighbor for help with your financing? Brian Comer at Draper & Kramer Mortgage is terrific. He's done our mortgage, and he's the same guy you'll see cheering on his kids at Town Fields. He understands what you need and is here to help. Check out his website. It's MassachusettsMortgageAdvisor.com. Again, that's MassachusettsMortgageAdvisor.com. Of course, all mortgage loans are subject to approval based on program guidelines, borrower's credit, and underwriting approval. Brian Comer, NMLS ID 11924, Equal Housing Opportunity. Okay, let's get back to the conversation and how the loss of our principals at East and Foster and a number of teachers and staff plays into the bigger picture. Here's Tom Scott. Well, yeah, it plays into it in, in, in a lot of similar ways. I mean, you know, I think for the principalship, I certainly think that anyone is advised to begin that process mm. as soon as reasonably possible. Uh, you're just going to get a better pool of candidates. Yeah. Are principals, do principals often go into superintendent roles or make their way up the ladder? I mean, are those, because of what we've seen, are the superintendent positions even attractive to maybe the kind of quote-unquote farm team system that might have climbed up the ladder. Yeah, the farm team system for superintendents has changed as well. So it used to be that you'd, you know, have, you know, your teacher, you move on to an assistant principal principalship, then you move into the central office in some form of assistant superintendent, director, director of curriculum, and then, you know, you move into the superintendency. We're seeing larger numbers of strong candidates uh, coming out of the principalship into the superintendency. Huh. You know, they understand the culture of the community. They're, they may be uh, recognized and, and, and uh, supported by the community. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that increases their you know, level of uh, opportunity of success. But it also increases Hingham's need, right? Because if we're down two principals at the get-go... That hits the farm team, so to speak, and whom else we have to hire? Yeah, it does. I mean, if we don't if we don't take great teacher leaders and begin to identify them and give them the kinds of responsibilities that have them develop into really good, strong principles, then we pay the penalty of of not being able to have the people we want. Um, okay, so down two principals, down a superintendent, down teachers, down staff. 
Best advice. You're a good, strong, well-recognized district. You will attract good, strong candidates. I am confident of that. Mm -hmm. From everything I've heard, school committee is a strong, cohesive group. That makes a world of difference. Mm -hmm. And you have resources. You, you can provide the quality education that people look for. So you have the core of, of, of finding good, strong people. And you've been able to do that in the past. You'll be continue to do that. It's just that you want to get the best of the best. And the best way to do that is to get out in front of the process. Terrific. Tom Scott, thank you very much. You're welcome. Let's take a quick break here to say, if you like the podcast, help us out. Choose an episode you like, this one or any of the last 27, and share us with a friend. We're on all the podcast platforms, or you can get to us through our website, thehinghamcast.com. And don't forget to sign up for our emails. Subscribers have won gift cards to Trist, Intrinsic, Sauce from XR Barbecue, tickets to Patriot Cinemas, and swag from Vitamin C Brewing. Sign up. Get in the game. Let me bring more voices into the conversation. I'm joined by June Gustafson, a social studies teacher at Hingham Middle School and head of the Hingham Education Association, representing teachers, and Carrie Nee, chair of the Hingham School Committee. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. June, I want to start with you. From a teacher's perspective, how does the resignation of Dr. Austin hit you? Um, I think it hits um, myself and all the teachers really hard. After the most challenging of school years for everyone, mm-hmm. it was we were hoping to continue um, the growth that we had seen under Dr. Austin, um, and and it's incredible. We're incredibly saddened by his departure. What are your biggest concerns for the year plus ahead? I think that we need to look at why administrators are leaving mm-hmm. and look at what kind of practices should be changed in terms of supporting our administrators and in turn having them support teachers. When teachers uh, feel supported, valued, and happy, our students have that. Mm. And we also would like to see um, some well-planned goals for the interim superintendent, even if it's just for one year. Mm. I know that we were going to move forward with a five-year strategic plan starting in August, and I guess there's some questions about that. So get a bit more granular for me. So when you say want to look at perhaps policies or positions that need to be changed or supports brought in. What do you mean? I just, I, I, I mean, I've worked in Hingham. I'm going into my 18th year. I've never seen openings like this at the building level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Dr. Austin's departure is taking us all by surprise, but I think having mm-hmm. the principal vacancies open as well is concerning you know, the leadership in a school can really determine the tone and the um, Mm. atmosphere, the learning atmosphere of a building. And uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm concerned about that. And how many teachers at this moment are leaving or have left Hingham schools? I believe it's a total of nine, but that was from two weeks ago. Okay. And looking ahead to the next academic year, do you have any any handle on that yet? I know of seven um, educators who are resigning. So these would be teachers, counselors, uh-huh. um, not paraeducators or support staff. So I would venture to say that maybe a dozen teachers, which is still within typical numbers for us. Okay. Carrie Nee, let me bring you in. We have at this moment 
as June said, three leadership positions that need filling. That feels like a lot for one community. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I know it feels disconcerting to have three administrative openings, um, and it probably feels sudden. Mm -hmm. Educators are retiring or resigning across Massachusetts and the country. Uh, It's been a very challenging year to be in any part of education. Um, And like most of us, as we emerge from the pandemic, people are reassessing their lives and their careers and their values and making um, different choices. Well, we're very sad to lose these three. They're really very talented administrators. All three are losses for the community. But I also wanted to emphasize that it's important to know that we have a lot of talent in Hingham um, Mm -hmm. level, Um, many veteran teachers and staff that have the institutional knowledge. So, I mean, while the leadership changes are are important, we don't expect that they'll have too much of an impact on students. Jim, would you agree with that statement that it won't trickle down to students? I, I do agree, but I feel that it depends on who comes into those roles. Because like I said, the leadership does trickle down to teachers. And if they, again, feel supported and valued, that will translate into um, the student's experience. Okay. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. So, Carrie, given all the things you said, and even though these numbers are not necessarily off the charts or a, an anomaly after you know what we've been through, we can't hide from the fact that this was a tough year plus in Hingham. At times, very contentious, personal attacks, leadership very much bore the brunt of parents' frustrations. Do you think that played into where we find ourselves now? Absolutely. I, I do think so. I mean, it was it was... I've been thinking a lot about what we need from the interim superintendent and then our next superintendent going forward, the permanent superintendent going forward. And we really need to focus on somebody who can rebuild relationships in addition to the other things, the other needs of the district. But I think the relationships are really key mm. because the pandemic, it was a trauma, it was collective trauma, and the pandemic really strained all of the relationships and kind of highlighted our pre-existing areas for improvement. Yeah. It really brought out the best and worst of our community. Um, So I think we have a unique opportunity for self-reflection on how we dealt with the challenging situation. And we need to be honest with ourselves about what we did well and how we can improve, especially from a communication standpoint. Yeah. You talk about damaged relationships and self-reflection. As you're seeing it through, you know, you obviously had a, a front row seat with the school committee, but you're a parent. What was the damage done to relationships and why? Well, I think everyone understandably had a lot of fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. We've talked about like a parent's right to um, advocate for their child, and I will defend that all day long. Um, obviously, it's just part of our job as parents. Um, and I also really respect the union's right to advocate for the best interests of teachers and staff, because that's mm-hmm. entirely their role. The position we found ourselves in is we had to balance all of those interests as well as those in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so as an example, we received some really heartbreaking emails um, from parents of students who were really suffering under remote learning, and they were advocating for reopening the schools immediately. Mm-hmm. We also received communications from parents who were very concerned about sending their kids back to the building because either there's children or they had family members who were medically compromised. And then t- we found that teachers and staffs were sim- similarly divided. Um, yeah. Many really wanted to go back in person because it's extremely difficult to teach hybrid or remote. Um 
But then they also had very valid safety concerns. And so from our position, we had to balance all of those. We had to follow the science, which was not clear and was constantly evolving and make the best possible decisions for everybody. And we've been thinking about that, about, you know, we expect school to be normal in the fall and Mm. hopefully never have to face those kind of decisions again. Um, But there always will be things going forward. And, And to June's point, too, we also have to understand that in order to support our students, we do have to support our teachers and staff. Yeah. So a quick break here to thank our media partner, The Hingham Anchor. Put faces to these voices and read Dr. Austin's resignation letter at HinghamAnchor.com. I also want to take a moment to say, as this search process unfolds, we'll be bringing more parents' voices into the conversation. Last year plus was rough and laid bare some real problems. So where do you think we are now? What do you think we need? How can our school communities be better? If you want to be involved in a panel, reach out. I want to hear from you. Okay, let's get back to this conversation and how Hingham is going to compete for the best candidates. We are not alone in needing leadership positions. Braintree, Canton, Duxbury, they all have interim superintendents. And, you know, maybe those interims will step in to fill those posts permanently. But we could also be competing with them and dozens of other communities across the state and, you know, hundreds across the country. Carrie, what's the strategy from the school committee's point of view? So we are going to be moving forward with an interim, just like those communities. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as the principals go, uh, the school, the superintendent hires the principals. Yeah, yeah. So our central office team has been working on the interim uh, principal searches, and it'll move quickly because we need to get a principal in place before the start of the year. Our goal is to get a new principal to start on August 2nd. Mm-hmm. And then for the superintendent, we already have several promising applicants. The goal is to get somebody in place to just make sure that we're stable and gives, gives us an opportunity to appoint a permanent superintendent. Uh, as you, you said, you spoke with Tom Scott. And mm-hmm. as you know, there there's a very limited pool of, of permanent superintendent candidates out there. Yeah. You want to get the right person in there. It's it's crucial. And somebody who hopefully can stay for longer than two years and won't be faced, faced with a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. What, what concerns do you have in terms of, you know, Tom lays out, you know, a decade ago, you might have had a hundred strong candidates for a well-paying, well-positioned, well-resourced community like Hingham. Now you might have 25, the bulk of whom will not be as qualified as you, you'd like. I mean, this could be a really competitive field. How do you feel about that? Well, it's a it's certainly a challenge. Hingham is an attractive place to work. Mm-hmm. We had good candidates last time. I expect it'll be the same. Right now, I think a lot of people are just kind of shell shocked and burned out after the last year. But yeah. it, that's one of the reasons we wanted to have an interim in place and, instead of trying to do a full search. In addition to the timing of it, is that we think that things will settle down and people will again reassess and kind of build confidence and and recover from this, and there will be a, a deeper pool of candidates. And you were involved in the search for Dr. Austin. How arduous a process is that? And and what are you looking for when you're looking at resumes? So it's it is it's definitely a long process. Uh, this one should not be probably as protracted as that one. In that case, we were replacing a superintendent who had been here for 18 years. Mm -hmm. In this case, we are looking for somebody who has been here for two years. And we have a lot of good information already from the other search process. Hmm. I mean, we also have some good information from having lived through this year about what we need as a community. 
Um, but it will be, we will definitely be, it'll be, I'll be public. We will have uh, opportunities for, for teachers, for staff, for community members, for parents to participate in it, either on the screening committee or during the process. And I think we will follow the same process that we did last time, hiring a consultant and going mm-hmm. through the same steps. It probably just won't be at quite as, um, as intensive as it was last time because we've already done a lot of the work. Hmm. You say, you know, learn from the pandemic about what we need as a community. What do you mean? Well, or what did you learn? Well, I think a lot of it is the relationships. I think we kind of took some of the relationships, the, you know, between parents, staff, teachers, the school committee, it took some of those for granted. Mm -hmm. And so I think taking a hard look at those, well, somebody who is good at building those will be good. Mm -hmm. We already know um, equity is a big issue. Map that out a little bit for me. Well, we, we're a town that we're a very high performing district and we are very fortunate because we have a lot of parents who can devote resources either through by donating to organizations like the PTOs or mm-hmm. Ingham Education Foundation, or they supplement then get to tutors or extra enrichment for children. Right. And we saw that at the beginning of the pandemic, we had parents that came together and formed pods and were able to hire teachers and, you know, put that together or had their own private tutor at home. Yeah. There are families that just don't have any of that and are very reliant on the schools. And so we have to take a look at that and make sure that we're meeting the needs of all of our students. Mm -hmm. So if you were sitting down today, what is it that's going to make, in your eyes, someone stand out for what you think we need in the years ahead? We'll come, we'll come up with an ideal candidate profile. Um, that's part of the process. But I think definitely valuing equity would, would be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has experiences with budgets, that's something we're already doing with the interims is kind of researching their backgrounds and talking to people who have worked with them. Going not, And through some non-traditional routes as well, talking to parents in their communities and talking to the teachers will reach out to staff. Um, doing that kind of research is mm-hmm. more important. So- June, for you, you know, Carrie talks about the ideal candidate. What does the ideal candidate, quote unquote, look like for you from a teacher's perspective? Classroom experience is essential. Mm -hmm. And as well as having the academic work in leadership. And I agree with Carrie on the equity piece and understanding what that means for not just students, but all employees. Mm -hmm. And and also having a good understanding of the budgeting process. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you look at tackling this coming year, particularly if it's an interim superintendent that may or may not, you know, be a candidate to stay? Let's say you take someone out of retirement or, uh, you know, a disconnected former superintendent from another district to kind of man the ship uh, or woman the ship um, for the next year. Does that feel like a pause for you on any growth points or, or how do you feel about that? So last night I reached out to several teachers and somebody uh, commented to me that it shouldn't be a limbo year, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we should continue to move forward. However, I do think after last year, we need to have an opportunity to regroup and reset. Mm. I know it's interesting looking at just the middle school where I work. Our students who are new to the the school last year, who will be seventh graders this year, haven't Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to have lunch in a normal way. Mm -hmm. And, And that right there, that one piece of that one grade is a big thing. I mean, I'm sure they will get used to it. They'll, they adapt very quickly, but we're going to have all kinds of little hiccups like that throughout the school year. 
Mm, and um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing. None of the middle schoolers used lockers last year. Yeah, yeah. That can take up an entire morning <laughs> coaching kids through that. And just those kinds of things. And also just letting everyone catch their breath, I think is important. Yeah. While still moving forward. Interesting. So when you're looking at the larger picture of what you want out of a superintendent candidate, what's on that list? For teachers, I think they want someone who understands the, again, the details of what happens in school buildings and Mm -hmm. in classrooms. Someone who has a vision to move us forward is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And someone who understands the equity piece and how important that is for our students. Inclusivity um, is really important to me as an educator Mm -hmm. and also as a parent of two children with special needs. Having someone who understands the diverse needs of our students is Mm. incredibly important. Where do you think we as a district are struggling? I know you've both mentioned equity. Where else are we struggling as a district and, you know, could use this as an opportunity to do better, in your opinion? I think in improving um, special education programs Mm -hmm. is important. I think supporting our special education students, but also our educators, um, for example, providing more equity equity among the caseloads of special educators mm-hmm. is an important piece of that. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with with everything June said, but I also I think we need to take a look. And we, we've we've already talked about this, and that was part of our budget this year is looking at a multi tiered system of supports for general education students as well. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of students who kind of fall in between special education and just completely thriving in general education, yeah, we can do more to support those students as well. Um, and that's something we don't have to hit pause on. Uh, we've been working on that. It's the um, pet project for our assistant superintendent, and we've been doing a lot of hiring for that. What does that look like, the pet project? How does that play out for kids? So at the middle school, we have the addition of a school counselor as well as, as an adjustment counselor. Um, those were two new roles that were added in the past two years. And mm-hmm. that has made a really, really big difference, especially after this year. Um, you know, we've all gone through this collective trauma and mm-hmm. some kids just need someone that they can talk to about it. Mm-hmm. it makes a big difference. Yeah. We've also added reading specialists and math tutors at the elementary level, uh, which should also help support some of the general education teachers, too, because it'll throw the load off them and mm-hmm. they'll be able to differentiate instruction for, for younger students, too. I agree with Carrie on that, that having that additional support, it's interesting because sixth grade is an unleveled grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have had students in my classroom who read and I'm not kidding, at the first grade level to kids, and this is all in the same classroom, mm-hmm. to kids who read at the what's called the post-high school or college level, mm-hmm. and to have to differentiate between all, and then the group in the middle, is that's a challenge. And so having the additional support for reading, I know in math, that is a big issue as well. Mm-hmm. Even just someone to support with going over to the directions is a huge help. Okay. Is there anything I didn't ask you guys that you think it's important to say? I guess the one thing I'd want to say is that we're going to be okay <laughs> as a district. We, we really do have talented people 
in as educators, it's as staff members. We have some administrators that are the ones that are staying. Are um, we have some talented people in district. So while we're going through some growing pains right now, I expect the Hingham Public Schools to continue to grow and improve. Excellent, excellent. This has been a great conversation. Thank you very much, June Gustafson and Carrie Nee. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. I want to thank my podcasting partner, the kind and fabulous producer-editor Kristen Keefe. Our interns are Claudia Chiappa from Boston University, and we're welcoming Cameron Baker to our team. Our website was designed by Donna Mavramatis and her team at Mavro Creative. And I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.